Welcome to Humans of Twitter, a podcast where we discover the stories behind the people behind the Twitter accounts. People that are interesting, opinionated and surprising. I'm your host, Steve Molk, and today I'm speaking with someone who describes themselves as bisexual, bipolar, bipurpose, loose unit at SBS Comedy, humble battler at Pedestrian Daily, opinions are my own and they rule. Humans of Twitter is their stories, in their words, in a little more than 140 characters. Please welcome today's edition to the Humans of Twitter list, Ben McClay. Hello. Ben, hello, welcome. Thank you. Can you tell me, please, as we start, mm-hmm. in social settings, how do you introduce yourself? Generally, hello, I'm Ben. Excellent. Do you find that there is a need to... Uh, validate is a really poor way of saying it. Do you find that there is a need of... Well, justifying why you're at the thing socially. Uh, not really. I, I've listened to how people have answered this question before, mm. uh, and then I realised that unlike a lot of the people that you've spoken to, I've never really had, possibly up until now, had a job where I wasn't embarrassed about it. <laughs> like all of my jobs have been via necessity and doing things that I completely hate. So I've generally mm. spent as much time as possible talking around <laughs> what I do. Uh, so, like, I spent the last four years doing software development for a variety of companies. Yep. Which is not... I mean, it's an honest its an honest trade, but uh, <laughs> the people that I hang out with generally, no one gives a shit about programming. I don't give a shit about programming. Yeah. yeah. What so, did you code in? Uh, mostly in JavaScript, but also some .NET work. Wow, you are a game man. I am. That was... This that is going to get life. nerdy awful quick. It's... Part of my life I'm willing to forget pretty soon. Yeah, I can I can completely understand it. Was that the intentional path for you from high school? I'm going to be a programmer? Uh, sort of. It kind of went up and down. I had a weird, uh, very weird fluctuation with what I wanted to do. When I was in high school, I was mm-hmm. very convinced that I wanted to do programming because yes. I enjoy it. It's a fun thing to do if you like it. Uh, and my parents were like, no, 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 you have to do something creative. Like, you need to go into, you know, advertising or graphic design or something. Wow. I was like, no, I will be a programmer. How dare you? And then <laughs> I, I got into it. And then I very quickly realized that I, while I still enjoy programming, I hate doing it as a job. Mm. Uh, and then I was like, all right, I'm going to go into something, you know, a bit more frivolous. And then my parents kind of did a flip where they were like, no, no, no. Like, be a programmer. Should, this is a career, you know, you've got a career now and there's money oh. in it. And you should stay in that. I'm like, oh, I don't, I don't want to do that. So, uh, my only career plan once I started that one was doing anything but, mm. uh, which I've now done, which is good. Anything but programming. Yeah, just anything, literally anything. Were your are your parents creatives? Is that why they directed you, or did they see a creativity in you that you maybe hadn't realised or connected with? Uh, they're not practicing creatives. Uh, my mum went Sounds to art like school an extra cult, when she was younger. It? it does a little bit. <laughs> My mum was very, uh, she was an art school kid when she was younger and then kind of dropped off of that. But I think it was just because they, uh, I think it's, you know, parents look at anything their kids mm. do. They're like, oh, you've done a finger painting. You're yes. going to be an oil painter. Hang like, it in the Louvre. Yeah, basically. It was the same sort of deal. I don't think there was anything actual. There wasn't some amazing creative spark they were trying to preserve. Mm. I think they just kind of wanted me to be a bit happier, which is yeah. a very nice thing to want for your kids, which it turns out they were correct about. Cool. Nice. Yeah. Well, now you get to be creative in a, I guess, to align it with programming, still in the written sense, mm. but in, you know, delivering a lot of really interesting content and stuff that 
I would imagine challenges and, and excites you, yes? Oh, yeah, definitely now. Uh, the Between SPS and Pedestrian, they're still kind of like quite... Uh, you know, there are sort of formulas you have to do, things mm. that you have to like fit within and boundaries and whatever, but... You know, rules. Yeah, lots of rules, but there's enough... Actually, less rules than you would think, um, <laughs> but there's definitely enough there to keep me like... Every day I'll just be like, hey, I got to do this one cool thing at least, mm. which is nice because doing programming, it would be like once every six months, I'd be like, holy shit, I got to do this one cool thing. And then yeah. six more months of horror. Yeah, the software development life cycle can be a heinous burden to it's, have to deal with, isn't it's it? It's a nightmare. I, I, I mean, there's uh, there's a bunch of theory and stuff behind this and a lot of the structures that are used in uh, like large-scale development and uh, like development environments and managing teams and managing mm. projects where you're like, yes, this is horrible, but it's all necessary, which I'm sure parts of it are, but it also means that getting anything done is the most painful, time-consuming process in the world. Like, yeah. It's, yeah, it's not a fun place to be. And I think the thing is that most people get into programming because they enjoy like the problem solving. Mm-hmm. Like they're all massive nerds who are like, hey, you need an algorithm that does this, and then you'll spend like a couple hours and you'll be like, yeah, I solved this one discrete problem I feel immediately rewarded this is great and then mm. if you're doing it as a job it's like hey you have a thousand problems to solve except you already know how to solve them you just have to redo the same thing over and over and over and over Churn again it. yeah yeah well, what did you do today honey well I managed you know that button on this thing in the iOS app when you press it now if you press it just a little bit to the left it works yeah that's that's basically it it's like you, you know how to do what you're doing it's just you're fighting against software and hardware and then like okay well because someone we're using this library that refers to this package but this mm. package doesn't do this correctly and then you're like basically you're reading stack overflow all day mm. that's all you do and that's before you start to introduce what the user does with it yes which is the worst thing in the world uh <laughs> it's it's horrible <laughs> but you end up just hating everyone like you build something and you're like Obviously, this is very straightforward. Yes. I know how to use it. I'm sure anyone that looks at it will know how to use it. And <laughs> We've then, provided clear documentation on how you should use it. And then, of course, people that aren't you look at it and they're like, what the fuck, this doesn't make any sense. And, of course, yeah. they're right. Like, the user is 100% oh, yeah. correct all the time. If they don't understand it, there is no point for it to exist. But you're, it's still your baby. You're just like, well, if I thought it was intuitive, my freak, is there something wrong with me? What's wrong <laughs> with my brain? <laughs> it's a very torturous process. Look, I know the answer to this. Do you miss programming? Uh, well, kind of. I mean, I still do programming now in my spare time um, because I find it. I do find it fun. I love mm-hmm. doing it. And now that I'm not doing it for a job, I actually genuinely like relish in doing it. I spent like an ungodly amount of hours in the last two weeks making the shittiest clone of Asteroids. <laughs> <laughs> like it's basically asteroids but there's colors on the screen and the camera shakes when things explode and you get more bullets but like i was determined to write a 2d physics engine from scratch which i've never done before and doing a whole bunch of other stuff where like libraries exist because people have been doing these sorts of things with games for like yeah. 30 years like everyone knows how to do them and i'm like well yeah. i don't understand how they work so i don't write i want to write them from scratch so i'd sit on my computer for like 10 hours just trying to get two balls to bounce away from each other when they hit and, like, I love doing that. That's fun. Yeah. Now that I'm not spending 40 hours a week doing it for, like, uh, gambling websites, which is what I was doing last time, yeah. I'm like, yeah, this is cool. I can do this. And it's 
it's interesting because nowadays you 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 know refer to the libraries that programmers use and and those sorts of the engine you know, creating your own two D physics engine. Mm. Nowadays, like companies can metaphorically walk up and buy the entire engine to base their game on. Yeah, and it's just let's build pretty colors and create the story and you know here's our characters release to market. They yeah. don't have to go through and put all the effort in in building the stuff that makes it go. Which I think is, I mean, that's fine. Like a lot yeah, of great yeah. games have been made. Um, there's this one really particular, uh, particularly good game I've been playing a tiny bit. I don't really play games that much, but um, Nuclear Throne, this awesome little top-down adventure game basically where you just walk around these randomly generated levels and mm. shoot things, but there's lots of explosions and pretty colours and whatever. And they built that in game maker which is like what they give grade eight kids to like build their first game right yeah and it's like this massively well-selling hugely well-received game but it's literally written in a tool that they give to kids like it's it's amazing what people can do like i definitely think like making games is an art form and technical ability shouldn't be a barrier to entry Mm. to to that sort of thing like yeah i'm i'm all for that but i i personally just need to understand how things work before i can use them like, now that I've done this once, I'm probably never going to write one from scratch ever again. <laughs> like, the tool that I'm writing the game in has a built-in one. Yeah. And I was still like, no, 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 thank you. That's Not right. for you me. just stand there. I'll be fine. Give me two weeks and then I will catch up to the level. No, not even close to the level they're at. My, turns out my bouncing algorithm wasn't, wasn't all that great, but that's fine. That's, <laughs> uh, but now, yeah, I've learned my lesson this time. So how then, given that you are programming for fun and profit, uh, how then do you also enjoy your spare time? What do you fill it with? Um, well, I mean, largely that uh, at the moment, but mostly, I don't know. I've only just gotten to the point where I have spare time. Yeah. Because uh, when I was working uh, full-time doing programming, I, I was writing for SBS outside that, and uh, at the time I was in a band, which took up quite a few nights a week, and then I was doing a podcast with a mate, and then mm. I was just doing a bunch of other things to the point where I had like 12 spare hours a week that I coveted more than life itself. (laughs) Uh, But now I only work three days a week and I've managed to get all my SBS work on those same three days. So I have four days where I'm just like, what do people do? (laughs) (laughs) I nap a lot, which I'm really enjoying. Uh, It turns out that they're absolutely the best thing in the world. Naps are amazing. Uh, Thoroughly underrated. Oh, they're just so good. I, I've gotten into the habit of them because I'm working nights, Monday to Wednesday. I start at like 2.30, so I like to, from noon until 2.30, either read or nap. And it's amazing. Like, I did, I've definitely not earned a nap by that point in the day. Like, I've yeah. woken up at 9, gone for a run, and then done, like, eating breakfast. And I'm like, well, ugh, time to nap. <laughs> it's incredible. I feel so luxurious. It's like a sultan or something. Amazing. At some point, though, that will come all crashing down when demand for something or interest that you have suggests that I don't have no I no longer have time for an app. I'm kind of actually hoping that that happens. Well we'll see. I feel like that's that is an unsustainable way to live my life. Uh but, but the Mexicans would disagree. We'll I mean they they True. subscribe to the whole siesta process. Oh god, and what a process it is. I really think that we should bring that in. Like very soon they'll have a nice big new big wall that they can lean up against to siesta with. That would be fantastic. God, isn't that terrifying? Like I am just amazed. Uh, it's it's ludicrous. I, I'm trying to think if there's been any like corollary of uh, someone so ridiculous getting to a point. At, like I guess Schwarzenegger. Okay, so 
America has had uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger and Jesse Ventura as state governors. Yes. Which is insane. If someone, like, 20 years ago said, hey, uh, two of the main actors from the film Predator uh, go to be state governors, everyone would be like, fuck you, get out of my house. Like, and now, Trump. Like, it's... Yeah, it, it's terrifying. But And the worst thing is that if this was happening in, say... Australia, yeah. There's so many like the the prime minister is essentially well not hamstrung, but they only have so much power. Like yes, he'd say something insane, and then they're just like, ha ah, ah, ha ah, ha, that's we're not going to do that, are we? And then mm. like they they don't, and now like yeah. and then they'll go away to the party room and arrange his overthrow, and yeah. you know, on it goes. And 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 you're right, and when it comes to legality. There's no ability for the Prime Minister to just push through law. No, whereas... It still has to go through the lower and upper houses, and as we see right now, we're facing a double dissolution because the Prime Minister didn't get what he wanted. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and the President just has so much... A ridiculous amount of, basically, free shots at doing whatever they want. Like, yeah. it's, it's insane, but we'll see. Who knows? Maybe he'll suddenly become an excellent politician the moment that he's in the role. There's something genuinely insane about these... Uh, I shudder to use the term, but like high-powered businessmen just mm. being like, ah, well, I can negotiate a deal. I'll be the best thing for a country. Like, that's not... That doesn't equate to a thorough understanding no. of politics or like people or anything like that's No, just because you can you know, negotiate a multi-billion dollar deal on a piece of land or a property does not mean that you can arrange, you know, a peace accord or you can no. be at the forefront of America um, negotiating with someone like ISIL or, or, you know, someone, you know, collectively yeah. someone. Um, it's it's legitimately scary that that man will have the nuclear codes. Yeah. Like, the ability to push the button. Yeah. Um, sorry, Will, Will if he becomes president. Uh, it, it's... I just look at, at... Like, every presidential race for the last probably three or four in America has been a bit farcical. There's been some sideshow around it or something's happened. Yeah. Blah, blah, blah. The problem is the sideshow is now the mainstream. Yeah. And no one, there's no, there's no course correction. You know, normally it's like, well, we've got that speed bump out of the way or we've smoothed and that over. we've normalized into a normal Republican first M's, blah, blah, blah. And, and there's just no detail from him. Like you, you tell us about these policies you intend to implement, making grandiose sweeping statements. He's still hung up on the fact that he's going to build a wall, it changes in height depending on who you're talking to, Mexico are going to pay for it, and multiple times the uh, the president of Mexico said, we're, so, not, we're, we're not paying no, for that. Yeah, absolutely not. What are you talking about? He's like, oh, but no, no, they owe us however many trillion dollars. You know, that's a good bargaining chip. What are you going to do? You're going to say, we'll cancel your debt if you build the wall. Man, to be frank, if someone came to me and said, hey, Ben... Um, you know, Ben coming to Steve. Steve, you owe me a hundred bucks, but I tell you what, I will forgive you a hundred bucks if you uh, find me a car. <laughs> Here is the shittiest car I could find. It may be made yeah, out of cardboard. Just build basically like some wooden palisades. Just be like, look, we've got a white picket fence. Uh, we didn't have time to paint it, um, but it's what you wanted. Thank you. Uh, we are now one of the strongest economies in the world. Big thumbs up. <laughs> yeah, fantastic. It, oh. What challenges you been? Uh, probably my attention span. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not 
a detail-oriented person, mm-hmm. uh, and I work have worked almost solely in detail-oriented <laughs> jobs. <laughs> yes. uh, which is which is fine working in programming because you find those problems out very early on. Mm. Whereas now I will write like eight hundred words, and I'll sort of skim over it, and I'll be like. This is absolutely perfect. I can't see any errors in it. And then I'll look at it after I put it online and be like, oh my God, this is actually more typo than it is anything else. It <laughs> makes no sense. Uh, which was kind of fine uh, for SPS work because I have an editor there, but mm. pedestrian, I am the editor. Mm. And it's not good. So I, I genuinely struggle with having to be like, all right, read it aloud, one yes. word at a time, very, very slowly. It's uh it's a habit I'm, I'm trying to get myself into. It's uh, it's not not easy. I, I can understand that. Mm. Do you find uh, the the motivation can be sometimes hard to to get, or the story can be hard to to find to initiate that the piece you're writing? Uh, generally, just like the first paragraph uh, will take me ten minutes, and then everything else will take me no time at all. Like yeah. it's generally just. <laughs> One thing I've really had to stop myself from doing is starting every article I write with an if question, like <laughs> if you blah blah blah, because that's like a fucking that's a thing people did in fifties commercials. Like, yes. ah, I'm asking a question to engage you. I'm like, no, I've got to stop that. That's such a crutch. Like, I always mm. start with, if you've ever done this, you'll. It's it's very bad. I have to stop. But that's right. Like, if they drop the bomb on us, will you know what to do? Will you know what to do when the Reds get here? Yeah. Yeah, that's that's something I've I find horrendously difficult not to do. Mm. But other than that, yeah. Once once I've got something going, I generally tend to pick up mm. relatively fast. What what one thing would you change about your life today? Oh, that's a that's a pretty big question. Um. Not all that much, honestly. Mm-hmm. I've uh, currently got my my shit sorted pretty okay. Yeah. Uh, I've yeah. There's not really that much I do job wise. I'm pretty happy with what I got going. I obviously because now I'm I'm working part time. I am earning basically zero dollars, mm. but in a way that's sustainable for my lifestyle, <laughs> which is fine. I don't go out much, so that's that keeps me covered. And when I do, I tend to keep under the radar uh, yeah I don't really think there's anything I'd change look at you mister I've got it all together Lardy Dar. oh look I'm generally only happy for very short periods of time so <laughs> sorry we'll see we'll see what breaks first I think you're in a purple patch <laughs> yeah basically what's your favourite takeaway food choice oh um I don't know if this is favorite as in if I had to choose if I got to choose from absolutely anything it's what I would choose but my the thing I get absolutely the most uh on this beautiful park road that we're right mm. next to there are three Thai restaurants yes. so the choices are quite amazing uh but the one the second closest one to me does a very very good pad siu that I'm a huge fan of that's oh. uh that's that's always my go-to choice that's a good call too it's uh it's fucking delicious and I only recently stopped eating meat so there are very few things that give me like that same sort of like mm. umami like real savory real yeah. filling sort of thing good and mouth that taste that's yeah the good the good mouth taste that's that's 
what does it for me. That's when I like when I'm struggling and I need something where I'm like, no, give me real food. Mm. That's that's my go-to. Yeah, look, Thai. We are really lucky in Australia as far as the diversity of food culture, mm. and that you can have a Thai restaurant next to a Mexican restaurant next to an Italian restaurant or have all three in the one yeah. and legitimately get away with that. And in some t- cases, have all three... Have you tried be really uh, good. IndyMex, that place in Kangaroo Point? That's the... What? No, serious? Yeah, Indian Mexican fusion restaurant. Oh, I'm down with that. It's weird. Uh, there is a lot of... Because there's a lot of crossover and flavours there yeah. and like ingredients, so I can definitely see... Way uh, different spice palette. Do that. Very different. Uh, but they've kind of just taken Indian food and put it inside Mexican food containers. Like they put them in like like butter chicken burritos and stuff. Like it's it's pretty pretty wild. Wow! Here's your lamb Rogan Josh taco. You should definitely give it a try. Also, I don't know if I don't think it's the same place, but there was another thing I saw a menu log that was called like turbans and cowboys, which sounds like it's the same idea. I don't know if... Yeah, it seems weird. But that's only cropped up recently. But definitely give them a try. I'm open to this. I, I want to give them another shot. I only tried them the once and I was kind of underwhelmed by it because I just mm. assumed people would be very creative with it. Like, you know, you have like a... I don't know, a lamb korma with like a pico de gallo salsa on it or something. Like, yeah. that'd be amazing. But that's not what they're doing. But, uh, yeah, I'll give them another try. I'll see how they yeah, go. Yeah, definitely. Also, wow. very questionable about uh, turbans and cowboys <laughs> as a name because those aren't equivalent... One is a type of headdress. Mm. One is a job. Like, <laughs> That's right. turbans and 10-gallon hats or something. Mm. I don't know. Uh, yeah. It's weird. I'm not really sure about that name. Elephants and horses. Like, it could be That anything. would be a fucking... That's great, although people might assume that's what they're serving, <laughs> which is probably <laughs> illegal, I assume. How's your trunk curry? Oh, that'd be tough. Yeah, I can't even... What's the most dangerous thing you've ever done? Oh, actually, I have a very clear answer to this. <laughs> um, I I went to India last year mm. uh, for a couple of weeks, uh, and I got picked up from the airport by uh, a friend of mine, a dear friend of mine, had already been over there for four months, and I was meeting up with yes. her. Uh, and in that four months, she had met someone, and they had started dating. Yep. And when I arrived, she was very sick, so she sent her boyfriend to come get me from the airport. I did not know that he existed. Uh, she had not told me about him or anything about him, <gasps> and because I didn't have a working phone, and uh, Bangalore Airport does not have Wi-Fi, oh. I didn't have anything. But this guy at the airport knew my name. He was like, "Hey, Ben, like, oh, I'm here to pick you up." And I was like, "Yeah, all right, well, cool." Like, no one could have figured out my name. That's fine. There's all. It's all safe and above board. And then uh, we go into the car park and then we get on his motorbike. He has no helmets. Uh, We do very close to like between 150 and 200 kilometers an hour all the way back to his place, which is like 25 minutes out of town. Uh, I'm not wearing a helmet. I'm carrying all of my worldly possessions. I'm like desperately trying to hold on to him and he's got like his jackets unzipped so i like can't really get like no grip like not a grip and uh the the traffic in india is much like the traffic anywhere in southeast asia where road rules are kind of a suggestion uh 
So people are going like the wrong way down one-way roads. Yeah. People are swerving in and out of lanes. No one's really using lanes. Like no one indicates. No one. Yeah. Nothing. Like we go past a bunch of cops going like three times over the speed limit and they're just like, hey, what's going on? Like, this is nothing. And I'm just like, oh, great. This is how I die. Like, I just had, I was just like sitting on the back of the bike just being like, this is it. I like, I had come to terms with it by the start and then I just got to enjoy it for the rest. I was like, this is, this is how my life ends. And then the rest of the trip was great because I was like, well, that was the dumbest thing I've ever done in my life. Now I'm going to be fine. Like, <laughs> nothing else can outdo this. And like, gosh, actually did a bunch of really sketchy shit while we're in India, but I mean, they they all survive, so so did I. I am gobsmacked at that. I like, I hear, I hear the danger in that. It was pretty horrifying, and I was just like thinking the entire time, like my parents would be so furious with me right now. Oh man, because they're very. Uh, my dad was always into motorbikes, but a very, very safety conscious person. Yeah. Uh, he was like, no, nope, you can't wear shorts on the back of the bike. Like, not a chance. Yeah. And like, here I am just like, I'm not wearing a helmet. Oh, my glasses are flying off my face. Oh, great. <laughs> like, gosh. Yeah. So that was wild. That was a good time. Did you have a moment once the trip ended, you'd go off the bike and just kind of went, yeah, I'm not cool with any of that. No, once I got off, I was just like, well, I guess that's just how things are here. Because like everyone that we went past on the road, no one was wearing helmets. Yeah, like, same, same. Nerds are only nerds are wearing the helmets in India. No one uses seatbelts. I kept getting laughed at because uh, I was putting a seatbelt on, sort of out of reflex when I got yep. into cabs, and like I go to reach it, and but they've tucked the the buckle under the seat because no one uses them. Yeah, and I was like, oh, what do I? And then everyone's like, why are you doing that? What do you need a seatbelt for? What are you What are you doing? Is this large tin can not safe enough? Yeah, well, basically. And I mean, most of the places I was getting cabs, the traffic was so bad that you were never really going faster than like ten kilometers an hour anyway. It's, uh, trying to get a cab around Mumbai is a pretty, pretty wonderful experience. It's it's a whole large amount of people in one place that I just can't even fathom. It was unbelievable. Like, you know, generally you you think of large populations and you think of size. Like, you think of LA is yeah. huge, but the city itself is also huge, and Mumbai is massive, but the heart of the city is still very densely packed. Like, just you walk out your front door and like you're in a throng of people the whole time you walk from your hotel to anywhere. Like it's yep. just the streets are clogged with people. Yeah. Like, and I was there during the middle of a, um, uh, during a heat wave, like the tail end of a heat wave. Okay, yeah. And it's, it was just absurdly hot. It was more humid than Brisbane's ever been. Like oh. it was incredible. You just walk outside and you're drenched in sweat like yep. immediately. <laughs> we're in this cab and they're, Guy was saying, like, yeah, we're in a heat wave. You know, the heat's been killing. And I was like, yeah, man, this is pretty brutal. He's like, no, like, literally people have been dying. Oh, I was like, man. oh, oh, okay. Oh, man. Yeah, that was that was wild. Definitely recommend it, though. Beautiful city. So. I've heard I've heard lovely things about it for people that have traveled. Uh, mind you, the people that I've talked to that have gone there have stayed in, you know, pretty sweet digs. Oh, well, we were staying in a lovely hotel because... Going over there with like Australian money is you're basically king. You become a sultan. Yeah, it's I went. All... I went over there on a very tight budget. Like I went over to India with basically like three weeks notice because a friend of mine was like, "Hey, my other boyfriend bailed on me. Uh, I can't travel alone in India as a woman. Do you want to come hang out with me?" And I was like, yep. "Absolutely, I do. I have no money, but this will be fine." Yep. Paid for my flights. Realized I had like five hundred bucks to get me through three weeks, and like that was 
that was great. Yeah. We were staying in like very nice hotels and these lovely guest houses. You came back with like, change. Yeah, basically. Like, wow. It was amazing. Your dollar just goes so far. It's, yeah, I got used to a brief life of luxury. It's just, it's funny because it's like, they have to go as far as they, like they go as far as they can up to where the infrastructure limits them. Yes. So you're staying in these absolutely beautiful hotels that may have power outages like throughout the day. Yeah. Or like the Wi-Fi is there, but the internet doesn't really work because it's barely enough to support one person, let alone like a hotel full of yes. people. It's pretty wild. So it works okay between 2.30 and 3 in the morning. Yeah, basically. If you stay up at the crazy hours, you might actually be able to check your Facebook. But Gosh. That was good. I mean, those are things you can probably definitely live out live without when you can like just walk out your front door and you're in like this crazy beautiful historical city that's like just otherworldly just so everything is kind of new and strange i've always wanted to visit it it just looks like india as a nation looks incredible i really wish i could have stayed there for longer I, i was only there for like three weeks i had um a week and a bit between bangalore mumbai and jaipur uh which are all beautiful cities jaipur in particular was amazing but then we spent uh, the last week and a half up in um, Leh, which is like uh, up in the Himalayas. Mm. Uh, and they're mostly, the people out there, like it's part of India, but they're, they're mostly um, Tibetan people. And it was fucking crazy. It's insane. Like, yeah. it was just, I don't know, when I think of India, I definitely don't picture like, snow-capped mountains but we we were in the himalayas and like we went for a drive one day we went up into the world's highest drivable road it was just up the road that's where we were we're like literally the highest point you can get a car in the world and we're just chilling there like well sort of just chilling my friend ended up getting like uh altitude sickness like acute altitude sickness because the oxygen levels were like stupidly low yeah Uh, but up until that point, we were just chilling. Wow. Yeah. Is there a place that you haven't been yet globally that you'd love to go that's on the list? Um, I'd really like to do South America at one point. Yeah? Um, I mean, I'd like to do Europe as well. I was going to do Europe this year uh, until I decided to quit my extremely lucrative programming job and uh, <laughs> started an entry-level part-time writing job. <laughs> uh, so... My Europe money I'm now keeping for my if things go to fuck money. <laughs> yeah, that's right. This is my life. This is plan B here. Yeah, which I think is probably a smart decision. But yeah, I, I'd really like to do um, Europe and South America. I also, I went to America last year, had a, a, a wild time, but I would really like to do it more. Like road mm. tripping around America was yep. incredible. So. Yes, I hear that. If uh, those $999 return flights keep cropping up to America, I think I might have to just bite the bullet and try and do the cheapest road trip I possibly can. Well, I don't know if this is going to convince you or not, but I was looking at flights to America the other day for a whole other reason. And right now, uh, if you travel in the next few weeks, American Airlines are offering $450 one-way, $490 back flights to America. It's insane. That is, that's ex-Sydney, but holy goodness. I mean, still, yeah. I, I paid, because the last time I did it, I kind of was very specific about the times that I wanted mm. to go and then kind of booked them very late and ended up paying probably like 3000 total for flights. Yeah. So I, I think I'm probably going to be a bit smarter about that next time. Yeah. It's, it's just so much more country. choice now. Oh, yeah. yeah. 
Yeah. I love the US man. I'd move there in a heartbeat. Oh, yeah, for sure. I think if... Actually, basically, anyway. Oh, nearly all of the states I went to, I was just like, yep, yeah, I could I say here. that with complete deference to the presidential situation. Oh, look, even if, like, it goes to hell over there politically, I, I still would... I'll just live off the grid. Like, yeah, I'll be in places... America, but, like, far enough away from potential, like, nuclear strikes. There are militias you can get involved with. <laughs> they love their militias. <laughs> the problem, I think, at the moment is that most of the militias are very pro the Republican Party. Yes, that is definitely definitely the issue. Uh, yeah, I don't. I can't really imagine there being any dem militias at all. We probably may have to start one if we go over there. Could you could you imagine it? What what would a Democratic militia look like? Oh, there'd be it like be one guy who had a gun for sure, and it, he had it specifically because his job required him to have one. Like, yeah. it wouldn't be. I don't but, really want a gun. No. I fired a gun when I was over there. Yeah. Uh, I went to a gun range in Texas. Great. Because I was hanging out with uh, some friends there, and they're like, look, I've, I've lived big in Texas gun? my whole life. Uh, no, we chose small gun. They gave us the option of big gun. Yes. So uh, the guy at the counter was like, look, it's basically the same price for all the guns. We've got a whole bunch of nine millimeters here. You can pick one. I'm like looking at this wall of guns. Yeah. Like even after a, a lifetime of playing violent video games, I was just like, Very I, confronting. they all look the same to me. I yeah. know what these are. They're all handguns whatever just give me that one and he was like look for 10 bucks more you can fire an AK-47 and we're all just looking at each other just like no no thank you that's fine this is probably already a bit much like this is but what if they introduce the role playing element where for 20 bucks more we will put you into a room still safe proper gun range stuff but where there's sort of litter hidden around in the area where you stand looking you know to take your shots but you, if you find a gun, you can pick it up and shoot the bullets that are in the... In All the... right. Now, then, yeah, then I'm on board. If there's, like, definitely a walking around finding pickups, I'm like, yeah. <laughs> then then I feel like I will have fairly attained it, so it's fine. I, I remember... found the hidden golden gun. So oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was in Richmond, uh, Virginia, um, yeah, last year. And same, mate took me to the gun range, mm-hmm. and we hired a couple of fairly serious handguns. yeah. And the thing that was more confronting for me, and look, I was confronted by the whole gun choice and gun culture and stuff. He's not a gun nut. He has a gun license because he used to be a security guard. Yeah. Um, but he has a handgun at home and he has a gun safe and all this stuff. Um, the thing that confronted me was the targets. The, oh, well, the, they give you human-shaped targets. Or not, not even the human-shaped targets, but the, you know how you could buy the pieces of paper? Oh, uh, yeah. Who or what were on those things? Yeah. Because it was just like get a normal target, which is what we did. The one that's um, like in, shaped like a that, burglar. Oh, yeah. no, the one that looks like a circle, just like yeah, concentric yeah. circle ring thing, uh, like a dartboard kind of. Or there was get a burglar, a guy yeah. with a gun pointing at you. Yeah. There was two or three different Arab guys in Arab outfits. Oh, one that looked like... God. You know, um, one that looked like... Uh, who was the big bad guy? Saddam? Osama? Osama. There was one that was Osama and other assorted Arab peoples. There was... And I say this, right? It's Richmond, Virginia. This is the home of the South. Yep. This is where the Southern White House is, the second White House, where you know the Lincoln walked in, they basically surrendered, all that sort of stuff. There were a couple of African-American gentlemen. Oh, uh, God. Yeah, yeah, it's, it was crazy. And then there was other weird, crazy stuff, a clown, like a physical, actual <laughs> clown picture. Um, That's for people going there for exposure therapy to get over there, like cloud there's phobia. Some, there's some weird <laughs> shit. Yeah. Uh, ours were... I think it was just like a human outline and then yeah. like a target ring. And I was like, mm, target, target ring. Thank yeah, you. yeah. Even just the dark shadow shape of like the, the men's toilet sign is a bit confronting. It, it's just weird. Uh, yeah, And also the people that were there with us, 
is one of the strangest parts. Like, there was a guy there that had this, like, massive bore sniper rifle. And yes. so, like, the, the the thing they're shooting into runs way, 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 way back. So he's got his target yep. up against the back wall. And he's firing, like, once every two minutes. And it's just, like, this boom that just rolls over the whole thing. And then there was a, a family there. We were there on Mother's Day. And I think that yes. as part of a Mother's Day present, this family had brought the mum there. And it's, like... They're all just having a laugh, firing the having guns. A good time. There was like a father daughter couple that were there. Yep. And he was just like patting her on the back every time she like got some good tight shot. grouping or whatever. And yep. it was just like, this is insane. This is not the world that I belong in. Yeah, I, yeah, I did. And that's the same. I did see a lot of people with guns that they brought themselves. Yep. Fairly oh, yeah. serious, serious weapons. Yeah. Like just insane. All like we had the Dirty Harry stuff. gun, right? We had the Magnum. Yeah. And that, that had enough kick on me to just went, nope. Yep. Um, I have fired some relatively decent, sort of larger, sort of almost assault weapony, you know, shotguns and stuff. But like nine millimeter, they're nothing. Yeah, caliber still kill someone. Don't get me wrong. Oh, yeah, still. A but gun. look way meaner than they actually are. Yeah. But yeah, there were guys that were putting very long pointy bullets into into guns. Yeah. That like you're hearing pops and bangs and all sorts of things up and down the range, and you just hear this this rolling wave of an explosion out of this barrel. It really drives home that it is like, I think because, you know, guns are like soaked into every movie and they're, they're such a, like a throwaway tool that like firing a couple off is nothing. Like it's yeah. just like there's these two pops and then like, you know, whatever. But then when you're actually there and you feel just how like skeleton jarringly powerful yeah. these explosions are, you're just like, that's not, there's nothing casual about a gun. Like it's, yeah. Really drives home they are they're murder tools. They're a tool we've made to make murder easier, which is the most insane invention in the world. Like, yes, everything else you can kind of point to and go, well, no, it has utility outside of that. Yep. But no, guns are literally just there to make murder less of a chore. <laughs> yeah. And all or under the guise of protection, which it, it builds its own irony. Yeah, oh, for sure. Like, that's why everyone has them, because everyone has them for protection. Like, it's... It makes no sense. It's such a huge debate, too, because there are large elements in the States of people going, yeah, we, we can probably dial back a little bit this gun fascination that we have. Mm. And there is an... I can't say equally as large, but certainly as loud, if not louder, counterpoint argument, which is, yeah, you can have my gun when you prize it out of my cold, dead yeah. hand. I can, I can sympathise with that argument, like, with the... You know, why would you try and take something away from me that I have to protect my family? Like, surely a man should be able to defend his, you know, wife and seven children to the best of his ability. But God like, bless the United States Constitution. Yeah, that's their whole fucking thing, right? Is that they want like personal responsibility, but without social responsibility. Yeah. So like, no, but it's fine if I have it. But if the net impact of everyone having it is harmful, where's your responsibility for that? Like, yep. They, they just it's weird but I mean that's that's basically the conservative mindset as a whole it's like well if I'm fine who cares if there's a systematic problem from it <laughs> because everyone will be fine because I've got one and you've got one and we're not going to kill each other because we yeah. both know we've both got guns the bullets will just hit each other in midair and then everyone will be fine we'll be and, yeah, that's right and then we'll kiss and it's all done <laughs> yeah but not the gays because the republicans aren't down with that yeah, no no only if that's right you're a girl and I'm a guy yeah Ben what are you going to achieve in the next 12 months Probably just try and avoid abject poverty. Yeah, uh, it would be a good start. Oh, but surely the new um, path 
uh, program that the the, the, that, the government are trying to that bring That extra in. 100 bucks a week, yeah, I could yeah, probably yeah. definitely find some space for that. I've but, seen a lot of great arguments about that. Mm. Uh, I wrote an article about it for SBS yesterday or the day before and yesterday, and incredible. Like, as happens every fucking time I write an in-depth article for the SBS, mm. I will... There'll be like a point in the headline and then in through the body of the article, I'll be like, yes. well, people will say this about it as an argument refuting it. Yeah. And here's why that's not real. And then people will share the article because you can see, you know, how other people have shared it to their yeah. Facebook and then other people's comments on it. And people are always like, ah, but what about this? And I'm like, neither of you read the article. No, you, you just, just shared headline. the headline. Yeah. What are you doing? Read the article. I refute specifically that. Totally headline jingoism and sharing oh, stuff. It's so awful. It's just so frustrating. And I know it would be like, unbelievably creepy to like jump into this stranger's comments because yes. they've shared an SBS article you know to their personal page and here's the guy that wrote it like jumping into the comments just being like hey fuckface oh dude it, yes it would be creepy but there are many 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 documented examples of exactly that where authors of you know articles on your news limit or your Fairfax or your wherever yeah. Australian that have gone hunting because they've got upset or they've had a bottle of wine or whatever's got under their skin yeah and and they've jumped in and oh you dude what i'd love to know your thoughts on this once you write an article and you put it out there that's kind of your bit your responsibility's done yeah absolutely short of comments on the article where you have right to reply and and how you choose to reply ultimately comes down to whether or not you want to keep the job with that publication yeah like with the sbs i think i've only ever replied I'll reply in the comments sometimes if it's like a person with a reasonable question. Mm. I'll jump in and be like, yeah, hey, like, I can see where you're coming from with this, blah, blah, blah. And that's usually fine. But if someone's just like, this is fucked, I'm not going to be like, <laughs> I, I'm not going to jump in there and be like, no, it's you, you bastard asshole. I represent the SBS. Go die. <laughs> like, <laughs> I'm generally refrained from that. And if, yeah, never if it's on SBS. Uh, well, no, very, very occasionally if it's on SBS. Never if it's on Pedestrian. Yeah. Uh, if people reply to shit that I've said on Twitter, like, I mean, if I post the article to Twitter from my personal one and then people reply to that, I'll I'll yes. absolutely call them a dipshit. That's fine. But, sure. like, outside of that, no. Uh, yeah, once you've got it out there, like, even the comments, like, on the website itself or whatever, no one, the author should not be in there. Yeah. And, like, especially for things like that where you have put a refutation in the article and then people have ignored it there is no point arguing them like if they didn't see it when they read it the first time why are you trying to convince them now like yeah of all of the places you should never read the comments probably the place where you published it to start with is the place to start yes like don't so SBS comments are generally quite good mm. like very rarely it's when it's mentioned in an article by uh, someone that is completely counterpoint to the argument like Andrew Bolt or whatever yeah. which happens a lot but like, yeah. look at the government money going to waste on this. Oh god, he hates us so much. Yeah. Um. Uh, our our head writer uh, James Colley mm. uh, got to meet Andrew Bolt the other day, but uh, accidentally or intentionally? Oh, because he also writes for the Weekly, and Andrew Bolt went on. Of course, on the yes. Weekly. Uh, yeah. He refrained from mentioning that he is the head writer of the Backburner during their conversation. Yeah. Wow. Apparently, quite quite affable if you're sitting in a green room with him. Um, look at and and. Look, let's bust open some, some myths here. I would honestly think that Andrew Bolt knows the character that he plays oh. and, and the buttons he needs to push for the position that he has built in the societal discourse. He 
anytime he makes live appearances, uh, he certainly seems like he has an element of self-awareness about it. He certainly seemed to on the weekly the other week. How great was that? That was genuinely, like, one of the, the best interviews I've seen him ever do. Because... The Weekly showed a really, really, really fine line between that, like, cutesy infantilization, like, that BuzzFeed did with, like, uh, Ruddick. Mm. Uh, like, they didn't do that, but they also didn't just fucking grill him. Yeah. Uh, like, they didn't bring him on there We're as not a here stooge. to corner you about everything. Yeah, yeah they yeah. they didn't. Like, the it was clear that Charlie had, like, very different viewpoints, but both he and Andrew knew what the other was about. Yeah. That An acknowledgement it. that both of those viewpoints, while sometimes either extreme, may be, you know, a, a offensive to me or abhorrent to me. Mm. I think in the broader conversation, sometimes it's beneficial to have that talked about yeah. as an opposition to what I think, because it makes me then think more about, well, why do I think that or what's the, the situation? I say that... Sometimes, because there are oh, other times I mean, where you go, that didn't need to be said no, most or of the expressed. Time, his opinions are generally just poisonous, but they definitely do help you find things that you don't believe. Like, yes. Anytime he says something, I'm just like, wait, I previously kind of agreed with that, but there's obviously something fucked with my thinking. Like, <laughs> But yeah, that interview was amazing. I really like what they've done with that show. Because, so Andrew Bolt went on a project at one point, I believe, mm-hmm. uh, and yeah, that went exactly the way that you would anticipate yeah. where you know they're just on there as a stooge and yes. then they get completely fucked over and then they get furious but like the end of that weekly interview where he's just like yeah, my wife was completely wrong she thought that I'd been set up like it's just like oh well that's, yes. that's nice I mean he's still an angry asshole with some terrible opinions yes. all of his and opinions are terrible but look, you can see them each weeknight on uh, Sky News I should you be so inclined I have not watched an episode of that and I I'm not game Ah, it's such a it's like if someone had pitched that to me, I would be like, "Of course, I've watched that because that's a fucking train wreck." Yeah. But just I can't. You know, one of his first guests was former Prime Minister Tony Abbott. Oh God, how did that go? Cheer- down? It was a cheerleading session. Oh. Now I say that not having watched it, but I read um, an Australian article about some of the things that Prime Minister Abbott said. In the yeah, it was best mates until the end. Yeah, yeah they were. They were. They were loving it. Uh, can I can I ask, and you can decline your nom de plume? Mm-hmm. Where, why, how? Um, just a series of slight changes. Um, I had a very stupid name when I got on there on Twitter initially, um, which I needed to change to something else. And then initially, it was subtle underscore violence because uh, someone had ref- a friend of mine had referred to something that I wrote as subtly violent, which I was like, wow, that's that's a nice, that's a mellifluous mm. combination of words. Uh, so I chose that, and I got really fucking sick of looking at that combination of words uh, because it mm. started to look like some metalcore band name or something. That was terrible. <laughs> uh, and then, so I changed it to Thomas Violence because I wanted something that kind of looked like a name. My middle name is Thomas. Mm. One of my favourite Sonic Youth songs is Tom Violence. Mm. I was like, I could smush all those together. Done. And uh, now I've got that. And now I don't really want to change it to my real name because I just kind of like yep. having that slight separation. Like, I mean, a lot of people that interact with me on Twitter know that my real name is Ben, yep. uh, and that's fine. I mean, if you follow the links on my thing... Yeah, my, it's, like, no, it's, it's not, not a secret. It yeah. used to be, uh, and then I just gave that the fuck up. 
uh, and now I, yeah, I just like keeping it. Thank you. You're welcome. For, for not only sharing that, uh, Ben, but for all of the conversation that we've just had, I really appreciate it. Thank you for your time. You are so welcome. Um, I, I'd like you to know that the things that you've said are very special and that you're highly valued. Thank you so much. That's all I've ever wanted to hear. Thank you so much. It's not all you've wanted to hear, but it's truth nonetheless. It's <laughs> close. Very clearly you're on Twitter. Yes. And you write a lot of things on the internet. I do. I should probably write more if I want to actually do something with it, but yeah, there's there's a lot on there. Are there any other social accounts you want to admit to or alert people to? Uh, I mean, if you... I do a lot of great photos of sunsets on my Instagram, which is the same as my, <laughs> uh, my Twitter handle. But other than that, there's a bunch of links on the website link in my Twitter profile to... Uh, I do some long form writing stuff on Tumblr and WordPress and whatever. Yep. Some of it is terrible. Some of it I still think is quite good. So possibly check those out. Excellent. This has been Humans of Twitter and I can confirm that at Thomas underscore violence is indeed human.